I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Suitcase and The Scribe with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of The Suitcase and the Scribe. Mike McKenna, you actually, you had your suitcase out because you're not at home, you're on the road. So, yeah, yeah, and there's not much going on. So I don't know what we're going to talk about for the next little while, but how are you doing? How are you feeling about, you know, as we're taping this, we're less than 24 hours from the start of free agency. I, I feel it's a lot more electric. Maybe it's COVID, all those things. I just think, Tomorrow has chaos written all over it. Yeah, there's there's a metal band out there that I like called Meshuggah. And they had an album years ago called Chaos Fear. And it was kind of my gateway drug to Meshuggah. <laughs> and I, I think that that accurately describes in one word what we may see, you know. And I can remember the last couple of years, last year, not as much, but before that, we kind of hit a lull where there wasn't a whole lot of movement, it seemed like, on UFA days. And now with the salary cap being so stagnant as it is only going up a million dollars and teams just jockeying to try to find fits and how there's been such a divergence of contracts, basically with the haves and have nots in the NHL, every team's looking for cap space yeah, and every team still wants the big free agent signing and just created a lot of variables, man. And I, I have a piece up today on daily face off describing some of my own UFA experiences and, and they're different for me. You know, Scott, I was a, depth goaltender. I feel like I say that every show, but I have to say it. So people are still aware of what my career path was. And, you know, I needed a place to play. That's what was most important, but my gut feeling still drove most of my decisions. And I think that's really from a superstar to a depth player, even on the team side, that gut feeling is really, I believe Scott to be a driver of what what will take place tomorrow when it comes to the decisions of some of the people that we're talking about. I mean, we might, we might as well stop, start off the top. I mean, like, look at these names, like Johnny Gaudreau. What do you think, Scott? Like, (laughs) I know. Well, I I, I want to get to the names, but I I want to ask you before we took to the names, like, don't you think like whether you're Johnny Gaudreau or Evgeny Malkin and you know, okay, you know, you're going to have a spot or David Perron or any of these names, there has to be, and, and, you know, down to the players who, you know, it is a legitimate concern. Can I find a place in the NHL as opposed to where will I play in the NHL? There's still the uncertainty heading into tomorrow is a real thing. I don't care what kind of player you are or, or not. Do you think, do you buy that? 
I, I'd be really curious to be in the shoes of somebody like Evgeny Malkin, yeah. where you would have to think that this guy should get a massive deal out of somebody. But what if it doesn't materialize? Like, yeah. what if the right fit just doesn't exist? What if he ends up with his tail between his legs coming back to the Penguins and they go, oh, okay, now you're <laughs> now you want to be a Penguin again? Now you want to be a Penguin. You yeah. know, so I, I don't foresee that happening, but I think it's interesting because we've seen that before where somebody, they outkick their coverage, man. Like, And you actually used to see this a lot with, frankly, like number three goalies, like there'd always be one or two goalies out there that would think their value was higher than it was. And they wouldn't get a seat on the first or second day. Right. And then they'd either be forced to go to Russia or somewhere in Europe or go to camp on a tryout deal. Yeah. And you want to talk about being nervous. I did that once go to camp on a tryout. I did it with the devil's organization. I was coming off of finishing the year with the Tampa Bay lightning. And I'm looking at that organization and, and they're saying, yeah, come in, you know, get a chance, show us what you could do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at it like, yeah, they definitely have at least one opening in the American league. Clearly that's where they want me to go. Like yeah. not even worried about the NHL. Yeah. And I remember I'm in training camp and I was in development camp with all the rookies. Yeah. And dude, I played like a third of the year in the NHL. And so did Jan Dani who had a one way and was in the big training in the big room with the, all the regulars and I didn't even see him. Oh. And then <laughs> so like, a bad signal. <laughs> yeah. So like first, and I know I'm going on a tangent here, but it's a great story. The first round of cuts I'm in it. And I remember going into Lou's office and he's in there with David Conti, who was his right-hand guy at the time. And, and Lou goes, well, we'd like you to learn the devil's way. And, and we're going to send you to Trenton and ECHL. And I was like, what <laughs> you want me to go from the NHL to the ECHL? Like I didn't expect that. I probably would have gone to camp somewhere else if that's what I was getting. I didn't say any of that, but yeah. I, I remember looking at, at, you know, Mr. Lamorello and saying, I, in all fairness, I played last season in the NHL. And then this year coming into camp, I never skated with the NHL regulars once. How could I show you what I was going to do? And he looks at Conti and, Con- and, he, and, he, go- and he looks at and David Conti and he goes, is that true? And Conti looks at the sheet and he goes, yeah. <laughs> so um, I ended up going to the American league for training camp. And uh, you know, I, I ended up performing really well at the start of the year in the American league and there was an injury and I stuck around there. But in any case, that's a great cautionary tale of what it's like to walk into training camp without a contract and try to earn your way into a role. You just never know what's going to actually happen, Scott. I, I love that story. And I don't think I've ever heard it before, but it is, I mean, it speaks to what is ahead for, you know, for a lot of these players, the uncertainty, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, you mentioned a guy like Malcolm who's played his entire career um, in Pittsburgh, part of the, you know, foundation the hall of famer who won three Stanley cups there. And I don't know, but let, well, let's go back to what you asked to begin with Johnny Gaudreau and you and I traded some notes on this. I feel a little bit bad for the Calgary flames, right? Like oh, to yeah. me, they've done so much right there. And, you know, Daryl Sutter just seems to be the right guy at the right time there. And the guy, my sense is guys really love him. He seems to have mellowed and he loves Johnny Gaudreau, right? Like the, I thought Johnny Gaudreau, 115 points under Daryl Sutter, man, it's, a, it's, this is the fit. And yet, you know, as you and I are chatting here, 
you know, the clock is ticking for Calgary to be able to offer him the maximum eight year deal. Um, in a few hours, that opportunity will go and, and you sort of assume that means that he is going to go and maybe he's headed back east somewhere. But, you know, I, I just I thought it was a really good fit. And it just shows you that we don't know. And I, I will say this. So you asked me what I thought. I think I think Malkin goes back to Pittsburgh when he after he tests the marketplace. And I think Johnny Gaudreau still ends up in Calgary. I, I'm, that's just my gut that at some point, like who, and I'll ask you this, if you want dollar in term and what's the number, nine plus nine million, let's call it nine million, whatever the number is. Let's call it 10. Let's call it 10. 115 points. Now, he's not a center. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going to quibble over a million, but... Which, if, if the idea is I'm, I'm leaving Calgary, which is one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and I'm going to go back east, which team can I legitimately have a chance to win with that can spend that kind of money and offer that kind of term? And I, I, don't, I don't know if there is a team like that. And so why not Calgary? What, so what do you think happens? I believe that this has come down to two things for Johnny Gaudreau. I think the money is real. The eighth year, it's another 10 million sheets in the bank, man. And you're, you're starting to get into the territory of generational wealth beyond yourself and your kids, even when you have got that much money, you know what I mean? You can only buy so many wake surfing boats. And the funny part though, is that when you have a lot of money, you always want more money. It's like everything in life. You always want more money, man. Like it doesn't hurt to have more money. And I, I think I think that as it gets closer, that becomes very real that you're giving up on $10 million because by the end of that contract, whether it's seven or eight years, there's no guarantee you'll play a full eight years. You know, I think seven, yeah, but who knows on eight? And that's part of it. But really just at the core of it, man, is you have to wonder if he wants to be there. And I don't mean that because Calgary's done anything wrong. Like you said, like... I think Brad Tree Living's done everything he can here. I'm convinced of that. He's got yeah. support of the ownership. He's got the open checkbook. This purely comes down to gut feeling. And yeah. like you were saying, Johnny Gaudreau's from New Jersey, man. He's from the Eastern Seaboard. It's if you're in Calgary, you don't see your friends. Like your friends don't just randomly fly out to see you. Even if you can, even if you have all that money in the bank and you can afford to fly them out, you're not going to see them. Yes, it just doesn't happen. Like logistically, those things go by the wayside, and you, you might catch them when you swing through New York. I think that's very real. I faced that. I played a lot of my career, you know, somewhere between fourteen and sixteen or twenty hours away from home. Yeah, in St. Louis, and it's funny because I was centrally located. You think I could have found some teams that were a little closer, um, but that's just how it works. And. The one year I had a chance to be in Texas, it's like, man, this is a day's drive. It's 12 hours. I was like, this is unbelievable. I'm 12 hours away from home, not 16. I took it immediately. I just yeah. think that that's really what, for Gautreau, it comes down to, man, is like, do I want to spend the rest of my career this far away from home in Calgary when I could spend it in a place, let's just say Philly. They just yeah. hired Tortorella. They'll clear the cap space if they think they can get Gaudreau. They already they bought out Oscar Lindblom today. And yep. by the way, good on the flyer. They donated $100,000 to that. charities that support uh, families that have been affected by cancer. And this was a really hard buyout. Oscar Lindblom, I've been his teammate. I've seen him go through it. Like, this guy is loved. Uh, that was a hard thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, it's business. And so 
I'm I'm not sold Goudreau stays because the longer this went, the more I started to think it didn't happen. Yeah. So I don't know with Johnny. I'm Kadri's the other one I've got my eye on where I don't really know what direction that's going to go either. I mean, my I was thinking he's gone for sure for a long time. Yeah. Um and and even looking at their scenario when they went cheap with goalies, bringing in Georgiev and staying with Francois, I was like, man, maybe they are still going to take a run at Kadri. But then they just signed Nachushkin to that big deal, like your deal. Yeah, Scott, what's your read on Kadri? Do you think he's bound to leave as well? Yeah, I think so. But I and I have that same feeling that you do as well. That it just seemed, you know, how does how does it work? And then the Nachushkin deal now. Uh, Boy, that's a lot of money for a guy who couldn't do anything in Dallas a couple of years ago. The greatest turnaround maybe in NHL history for a player is Valerie Nachushkin. Good for him, oh, man. Yeah, honestly, was there was there a, a more dynamic player really through the last couple of, all through the playoffs, but the last couple of rounds, like, awesome. every single good thing that happened to the Avs seemed to happen with Nachushkin around the yes. whole thing. And he couldn't score a goal a couple of years ago. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, so Kadri's interesting because, and it's interesting because quite, you know, sometimes at free agency, there's, you know, there's a dearth of centers. And so, you know, remember when Steven Stamkos went to market a few years ago before signing the long extension in Tampa and he went to, went to market. He was during the visitation period of the CBA, which I, I don't know why they gave that up. I loved it. But, it, you know, anyway, that's another thing. But I know, liked it too. visiting the, the cities and being courted in Toronto and and ultimately goes back to Tampa because that's the fit for him. But when there are, you know, Malkin, uh, Giroux, Claude Giroux, Nazem Kadri, um, you know, there are there are players out there who can fill that important center hole, either the one or the two, Ryan depending Strom. on you know where your team's at. Dylan but Kadri, Kadri, to me, I would have had him ahead of Johnny Gaudreau if I was ranking my free agent targets, and that's because he's a center. Uh, you know, played such an, a vital role for Colorado, especially when all those guys were hurt during the regular season. I loved how he elevated his game during the playoffs and, and through some difficult times in that series against St. Louis with the racist taunts. And I just, you know, unfortunately he got hurt, you know, and missed a chunk of time in the middle part of that playoff run. But to me, he just, his value went up exponentially um, given some of the things that have happened to them, to him in the past. Now he's a little bit older. Um, so, but to me, he's the most, if I want to build a Stanley cup winner, right? Like if I'm Carolina, if I'm the New York Rangers, if I'm, you know, the, any of the teams that's saying, you know, we're, we can legitimately be in there. I I just think Nazem Kadri is, is the kind of player that can be critically important to that kind of thing. You know, where does he end up? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I don't know because there's no, at least to me, there is no obvious, Oh, this, you know, here, like how would he not fit in St. Louis? Like a charm. I, but, yeah. He'd fit a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know. I can tell you this. If, if somebody doesn't like it, they can kiss his ass. But <laughs> I, I think about, you mentioned New York. Gosh, he'd be perfect. He'd be a great Gerard Gallant player. Yeah. Can skate, can play, can get under people's skin does everything you could need. I mean, I, I think about Malkin and, and I, I don't think he'd fit great with the Rangers really. I just, I, for some reason, I don't think that's a great fit, you know? So yeah. like Kadri, I don't think he's going to have any shortage of suitors, man. Like whether it's, 
you know, if it's Carolina, if Trocek moves on, if it's anywhere else, I just, I, I think that's a player that's like you say, he's upped his value for good reason, man. He proved he was available. He played great. Um, and, and I just really, I, I don't like his attitude on the ice if I'm against him, but I really like him as a player. I like his attitude in terms of winning. Like he's a winner, man. Yeah. And the growth of that is really cool to see because we're, we're just so quick to label people, man. Like, <laughs> you know, and we used to get it with goalies all the time. You know, you can't win playoffs. I mean, be sucked in playoffs. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, he gave him like six games in one year against great teams, dude. Like, put him on a good team and see what happens, or give him a couple cracks at it. Like, you're not always good the first try. So, yeah, I'm um, all about I'm all about the story. I want him to sign in St. Louis, and I want he and Jordan Bennington to have the same, you know, next. I want them sitting right next to each other in the locker room. See, I'm oh, all I'm, about the I'm on about the narrative there, but uh, the biggest bromance possible to see those two guys like walk in the first day holding hands or something would just be amazing or or even could you even imagine the memes like with that signing? You'd see like water bottles water bottles flying past Kadri and then Bennington running up and like in like it'd be like animated like stop animation or whatever they call that and he comes walking up like South Park and he gives him a high five or something and oh my god. I know my brain's getting off on a creative tangent make here, it, but, make it uh, happen. Um, yeah, it'd be fun. You know, you're, but you're going back to your piece that you have on daily Faceoff regarding some of the free agents and things that could possibly happen. I, I one that I find really intriguing is John Klingberg. You know, yeah. we both know him really well. You covered the Dallas stars. I played for the Dallas stars. Yeah. Klingberg is by all means the top of defenseman available in terms of puck movers, right-handed. He'd fit a lot of places, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of surprising that the stars went the route of bringing in Suter that effectively put Klingberg out of the mix here, but that's bygones. He's not going back. So where's he going to go? I think he'd be a great fit in Edmonton. If they could get, get rid of that Barry contract, Klingberg to me is a more, he's a more well-rounded player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course he'd fit in Carolina with D'Angelo not being there, yeah. but I keep hearing and I keep really liking the Seattle. Like if yeah. you're looking for a team that really needs a D that can play, that would improve your team quickly, that, has the cap and could give him term because he wants to get paid, Scott. Like, I I mean, I don't see him going to Carolina just to win. If it's a team friendly deal, I I would, I think Klingberg's going to get paid because he hasn't made that much yet. He was on a really, really friendly deal that he signed with Dallas when it was Joe Newendike the first time around as GM for, you know, four something million bucks. So I, I think Klingberg's set to get paid, man. It, and you know what? I, and I, I'm with you. And and listen, he's John's very. The great thing about John is that he's very candid when you talk to him about these things and things that are, you know, he's a he's a father now. These are, this is a life thing. And you talked before about the gut, and you know, we, and we sometimes think about well, what you know, would a player fit here? You know, mm-hmm. for players, it's about what's how is this going to impact my life for the next six or seven years, eight, if you're signing with your own team. Uh, and John Klingberg did play for way, way below market value. Like by the, but in, you know, he's been a good player for a number of years. And I was playing pay playing at less than half market value. Probably. Yes. He's That's an $8 million defenseman, $8 million guy. So no. So I want to ask you this question because it's, it's come up. I've seen a couple of references to it uh, because we're talking about defensemen. And, and while there is a, I think a plethora of talented offensive players. We've talked about some of them, lots of centers. There's a lot of guys out there who can score and fit in your top six and power play, all that stuff. Aren't many guys on the back end who can come in, 
move the puck. I, I, to me, John Klingberg still remains one of the great lateral puck movers on the blue line, getting a shot through to the net. I just, you know, he still does so much well. But the story, you know, there's a lot of discussion since Mike Greer took over in San Jose. What happens there with Brent Burns? I'm just now looking up. How old is Brent Burns right now? Um, you know, former Norris Trophy winner, but it, it's been hard. I think it's hard a little bit to handicap you know, where he's at now he's 37 years old um, and that team has been, you know, that team's in decay. There's just no question about it, but it looks like they would facilitate a move for Brent Burns. So the, I mean, the number would be different. You can get Brent Burns now at, you know, a, a portion of his cap hit, which is $8 million who would you rather have? I mean, is that fair? Is it fair to ask if you, if you're balancing John Klingberg and, and Brent Burns, I, I don't know. I, I still lean toward John Klingberg, but maybe the finances make it make more sense. Um, you know, Brent Burns. And again, I'm going back here to look, uh, he's under contract through 24, 25. Anyway, it, it might be, you know, I don't know. It's just interesting that he's, his name is out there. And I think they are, I don't know. Teams might have to make that kind of, choice or balance who would you rather pursue for two players that accomplish kind of the same goal in putting up points they're very different players they're very different defensemen brent burns is a shooter you just feed him that puck let him tickle the scoreboard with the backswing and unleash it like that's what he does and john klingberg though is more fluid he's a better skater uh, I'd argue that his first pass is a little bit better than Burns. And I'd also argue that Klingberg is a little bit more dynamic on the power play. The things you said, like he can walk a line with the best of them in the league. You think Klingberg, Shea Theodore, Jared Spurgeon, like those are the guys that are special at getting pucks through, which is a skill. Yeah. And um, to be honest, like I don't really like Burns and Dallas. I just don't. I, I, I think with his, his age and his skill set, yeah, he's going to be your power play guy. Do they need that? Maybe like <sighs> – for that type of dollar figure, yeah. it'd be tough for me to sell. I'd rather have somebody dependable like Kulak walk in the door at three or four million bucks or whatever it is that can skate, that can make your good first pass, and maybe you just trot out four forwards every time on the PP and let Heisken eat up a lot of time, you know, or or Suter, whoever it is. Like, yeah. I, I'd be hard to sell that, especially with the. Listen, man, Dallas isn't getting any younger, and I know that there's a propensity towards veteran players that know what they're doing. Um, but that'd be kind of tough for me. Like I'd almost rather go after a Justin Schultz too, you know, I just. Well, and I, yeah, I think people are drawing the line because Pete DeBoer is there, of course, but, and I was in a uh, reason that they came up and I asked that question. I got a call from a reporter in San Jose, not long ago, uh, who was doing a story about where places Brent Burns might end up. And he asked mm-hmm. me about Carolina and I said, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as I a don't fit. either. I didn't like it, but <laughs> now I see reports maybe Carolina is interested. So inevitably Brent Burns is going to Carolina after I poo pooed the whole thing a few weeks ago. What about Josh Manson? Yeah. Okay. Like this is a guy who in Anaheim was, I was watching him there pretty close and thinking, man, like kind of just looks like it's run his course and he's frustrated, you know, and he showed up in Colorado and did he ever play with vigor and zest and energy? And that was the Josh Manson we all remembered. Yeah, he's created a pretty good market for himself, I think, Scott. What do you say? You know, I I totally agree. And he's sort of different to me. He's in that, you know, he's going to be your, you know, he, he did chip in some offense during the playoffs. But he's a he, four or five, probably. He's a four or five guy, but he's a guy who can play with, he can play with 
Miro Heiskanen, or he can right. play with Tony D'Angelo, or he can play with, you know, I'm, you know, I think of, he's not, he's not at the level of Jacob Slavin, you know, but he is a guy who can do a lot very well, plays with some snarl. He's a guy, and well, there was, a, I mean, what, why did Joe Sackett go after him? Because that team got pushed around in the second round a year ago by Vegas. They had trouble. They just got overwhelmed a bit by Vegas. And Josh Manson was one of those. There were three or four players who, who came in to address that. Nazem Kadri was one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he addressed those issues. And I, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, he, I think he's created a nice market for himself. You know, I know there was some speculation. Could he circle back to Anaheim? I know Pat Verbeek seems to be. He seems to be really. He's doing whatever he wants, man. He just let Sonny Milano go, dude. Like, I know. I, and that's that makes me nervous, just as a whole aside. I mean, but I'm curious there, like, because I'd heard the same that Manson would be happy going back to Anna. I'm like, maybe it does change things if you just won your Stanley Cup and you want to go back to what you know. Yeah, and and money is not your most important thing. That those deals do happen. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, there's been so many, there's so many fascinating names and things out there. Here's a, here's a guy in your town. Uh, and I just, I see, I believe that uh, I think that Malkin circles back to Pittsburgh. That's what I think. Maybe Gaudreau does in Calgary. Maybe not. I'm now I'm hedging my bets because you don't think he's going back there. But what about David Perron? who can only play in St. Louis. It's the only mm. team he's ever signed a contract. And played with. his best hockey there. <laughs> played his best hockey there. And you know what? I, I just love David Prom because he's such, he's such an interesting guy. He's kind of edgy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you go back to that cup run in 19. And really this season, I, I again, he just was so dynamic. And I just, I can't, like, we're, he can't play anywhere else. But I, I am a huge David Perron fan. Like we, we went to training camp together with the blues in 2007 and that was his first training camp. And I remember he showed up from the Quebec league. He was a 19 year old draft pick made the team out of camp. And Andy Murray was a head coach at the time and his Perron's white skates, yes, like not like totally white, like not Sergei Fedorov Nikes from the nineties. He had, you know, whether they were tacks or whether they were gross, there's just enough white on them that drove Murray insane. And he had the trainers like spray paint the guy's wheels. And I was like, how stupid is this? You know? Um, but he's always kind of had that defiant prove you wrong type of strain to him yet. in the same respect, he's also taken, you know, some contracts are in my eyes, I mean, pretty friendly. Like he never really was a guy who played the market to the last dollar. It's like, he knew what he wanted. He knew where he wanted to be. And that was St. Louis. Yeah. And, and if I'm him, I probably feel pretty frustrated that that hasn't been reciprocated when he was their best player at times last year. Uh, and probably their most consistent scorer, I would say. And, and what he gives them on the power play on top of overtime and five on five. And for four million bucks, he was one of the biggest values in the NHL last year. Yeah, no question. So, I mean, I think health's a li- I think health's probably still a lingering thing, but like, I don't know. I see Perron getting done in St. Louis if they move some cap space out. Like, if Tarasenko goes, I see Perron getting done for sure. Yeah. But I just, yeah. I'm not sure how to gauge that because I thought he would have been done a, a little bit ago with Perron, and it's not there, Scott. And don't you think that there's got to be a market for a player like that? Well, and here's the, but here's the interesting thing, and maybe this is, you know, and who knows, maybe. Doug Armstrong and David Perron and Alan Walsh, who's his longtime agent, you know, maybe they've had this discussion of, Hey, here's what we can do. You know, that we don't want to, you know, we want you, 
go and see what you can get. Like, you know what, again, he's already been there, but like Edmonton, you've got the cap space now. Now you're really talking about like, let's assume, you know, it seems to be the signs pointing to Jack Campbell going and we'll discuss goaltending before we're done here, but you've got some cap space, but now it's about finding, don't, don't be stupid with that money. You got to find the right fit for the money that you want there. And to me, David Perron, if you're not bringing Evander Kane back young, you know, I, I'm not literally comparing them, but in some ways, as we talked about, Perron's a guy who plays with some edge. He's got great mitts. He can play with high end players. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot of stuff, but it, it does, is it going to work for him there? I don't know. Like I, I, don't I know. to me, I'm really fascinated by him because to me he's a guy who just seems to be this is a you're a blue right get that done but there will be people who call no question doesn't it show how weird the world is now with salary cap that here's a guy that should be no questions asked like if this guy came in in the 80s he'd be a blue for life or a team you know for any player that just is how it works but like he's he always fell into that category of player for a lot of his career at least where he was good enough to be a valuable asset, which constantly made him a trade target. Yeah. You know, not into that super elite territory. And that's still kind of where he lies as being a very, very good hockey player. Kind yeah. of similar to like Rich Peverly was the same type of player that I thought all the time. Of course, Rich and I go back to St. Lawrence together, but every year is like Rich, Rich was on the trade block. And it wasn't because he was bad or he had a bad contract. It was because people wanted Rich Peverly. Yeah. You know, he almost you almost make your own grave when you're a good enough player, but you're not a franchise player. So um, I don't know, man. I think this I think, like you said, we're, we're really in for some some interesting movement here in a lot of ways. Like and I don't think we may even be done with the trades. I, I think that that's no. with the cap space that may be needed for some of these deals. Scott sure seems like we're going to see fireworks here in the next two, three days. Yeah. Um, so we, this is a good time because I, as we're chatting here, I'm thinking about tomorrow. We're going to do the show tomorrow afternoon. I'm really pumped for that. Um, a little bit peckish now as we speak here, but you know that that means that it's time for our nod to DoorDash. And uh, Mike, as we've been saying all year, and people should now be fully cognizant DoorDash is the proud sponsor of the Nation Network of podcasts, restaurants, and more delivered right to your door. I don't know, maybe Daily Faceoff, maybe there'll be like a team DoorDash order, even though we're going to be separated, you know, hither and yon for uh, the show tomorrow. Maybe we'll get, a, maybe there'll be like a team DoorDash order Imagine tomorrow that. afternoon. We you think anybody's the- listening? It'd be great. We hit we hit the button, and everybody that's on the show from 11 a.m. Eastern to 2 p.m. tomorrow live right, on dailyfaceoff.com, Twitter, YouTube, uh, where we're going to have the insider cam on Frank Sierra Valley up in the corner. That's part. I could just see it at noon. We're going to hear ding, and then here comes the DoorDash into everybody. So we need to make that happen. That would be lovely. Um, but there's there's some more pressing things, and one of them to me, Scott, as you can imagine, is the goalie market. I, go, and, I, go, sort of, I thought we've been really, really very restrained here. You know, we're in the back half of the show. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, I think it's, I think it has been, it's a zany thing. The whole, what, okay. what is going, what has what gone do you down. Know? What do you want to know? I, I want to know this. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. You know. And I, I, I ran in, I ran 
I crossed paths with Brian McClellan, the Washington Capitals GM in Montreal, the draft after they traded Vitek Vanacek to New Jersey. And I was like, I just said, you know what? Goaltending completely overrated. You don't need any. He said, I gotta find some somewhere. I don't know. And then of course, you know, with uh, um, Samsonov, not uh, QO, seem. He's another player I wonder if the team will circle back to, I do um, too. you know, at, at a number that makes more sense for the team. But and let me ask you this. What do you make of that whole Washington situation? But again, because there are still teams, you know, let's count them down. Edmonton. I know Toronto has Matt Murray. We'll discuss that. But they still also need, I would think, some goaltending help there. Um, Buffalo still needs some goaltending. What what if you know what if your plan is to bring Samson off back, but somebody else swoops him up right away because there are lots of empty goaltending spots and not that many goaltenders out there? It's a pretty dangerous game to play if you think you're going to bring somebody back, which is why I'm pretty convinced they're moving on from Samsonov. I just find it surprising because they weren't able to get anything for him, anything, whether last year or this year. And and I, they he was on the trade block. Like they tried to make moves last year. And Vanacek caught me off guard because to me, Vanacek's a good number two goalie. I would have liked to have kept him, but he has value. So you know, you move them out to Jersey, you get a pick and return, but now you have nothing. And obviously they don't make that move if they don't think they've got a good chance at somebody. And by the way, this whole period where there's like, <laughs> we don't have the, the period where teams can talk to players any longer yet. Somehow it's being like openly talked about where players are going. It's just an absolute sham, Scott, but. <laughs> Wait, so just a minute. Are you saying that at 12.01 Eastern on Wednesday and there are seven or ten contracts announced within minutes of each other that they didn't just negotiate those contracts in the two or three minutes since the market opened? Shockingly, I don't think that's what happens. It's amazing, isn't it? So, like, <laughs> listen, we've we've heard this pretty widely it's not been reported, but everybody's kind of like connecting dots that it seems like, okay, well, Kemper must be going to Washington and Campbell must be going to Edmonton, Yeah, you know, and, and I can't see any re- other reason why Toronto would go out and get Matt Murray if they didn't, if they knew that Campbell wasn't going to come back. He may have just said, Hey, I'm not coming back, you know, yeah. but you're Washington and you've been an absolute pipeline for goaltending. I just had an article out about that, praising that organization last week, you know, all the goalies that have come through Washington, and they've yeah. had a great plan, and now they're casting off two of them. I wonder what they know about Sam Sonoff. I wonder if him breaking COVID protocol, if him wrecking an ATV before training camp, if, yeah. listen, man, I don't know him personally at all, but all signs lead to me to somebody who doesn't take this seriously. And when I watch his game, I don't see details. And when I'd see people that could just think they can waltz their way through life and be good, it doesn't, doesn't jive. Yeah. So I think that might be the case there. Just guess. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's an excellent point because you're right. What you don't, I mean, you do, you've, if you're Washington, you've opened yourself up to some pretty serious uncertainty. And I'm with you. I I think Comper, uh, Comper makes sense there, but you, you still don't know. So. Right. And you got to get number two. It's the same way with even Toronto now and and Washington, like, and how many number twos are actually available? There's not many out there, man. Like 
Martin Jones made 2 million bucks last year and played 35 games, something like that, 40 games. Like he's going to make more than 2 million bucks this year. So he's probably priced out of places. Like you're starting to look into like Eric Cobry territory or, I mean, geez, is anybody going to give David Riddick a contract? You know, like there's not that many goalies out there that you trust at all when you look at free agents. And I mean, do you trade for Anthony Stolarz? There's a guy I would trade for. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I haven't heard his name mentioned anything. I would trade for Anthony Stolarz last right now if I were one of those two teams. Do you think this is so? Do you think because of this dynamic, is it possible that we're going to see, you know, sort of a, a, a not whether rush is the right word, but where we see teams just saying, "All right, let's we're getting we're getting the, our best kid," mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I, the theory is, of course, they should play as much as possible at the AHL level. Like I get that, but do you think we'll see teams just saying, you know what, let's, we got no other options. So we're going to have the kid come up here and learn and play 25 games or whatever. To me, it's counterintuitive, but do you think we see it that way? I think we see European signings before that. Yeah. I think we see that. I think we see Magnus Helberg in the NHL next year before we see kids that aren't ready to play yet. I'll give you a great example. Montreal, Caden Primo, not ready for the NHL. They've done their best to ruin his development in Montreal. They've tried really, really hard to ruin that kid's development. Um, I don't see that happening there. And, and also, I don't see Jake Allen going anywhere, even though he had he would have a huge value on the market, but it would take a blow away offer. And at this stage, I think the seats are kind of set. Um, I, I don't think we'll see that many young goalies moving up because they still need to be ready to go when they get there. Like Uko Pekarainen, I believe is how you say his name, the goaltender in Buffalo, Buffalo. right? Like, yeah. you know, that's a guy is kind of a tweener. Like, is he ready to pair with Craig Anderson? I wouldn't think he's quite there yet. You know, yeah. like even like Jonas Johansson, who was in Florida and Colorado, after being in Buffalo, like he's probably going to get another deal, even with bad numbers. Like yeah. Dustin Tokarski is probably going to get a deal somewhere yeah. just oh. because of the lack, you know, and especially the teams that don't have goalies, like Arizona needs a goalie, you know, Chicago needs a goalie. Like, you know, who's going to go to those teams? Somebody who needs a contract. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But they're not going to get the stars for 5 million bucks in five years. Yeah. No one. Yeah. No one's going to, to fill those holes. So. No. I, I get it. You know, we, we, some, we sometimes talk about it on the show and I, I, it's, I, I hope it's not a sore spot, man. You're like, if you're about three years too soon, right? <laughs> this is like, literally this would, you, this would be, oh, I'd be cashing in, be, man. Your phone would be ringing off the hook. What was I thinking? You know, I should have taken I mean, that. I did have somebody call that summer. It's funny. Um, I made it pretty widely known that I was going to retire, but I did get an exploratory phone call from one organization that needed goalies. And it was, it was a team's assistant general manager. And he asked me about a couple of goaltenders, but I could tell Scott reading between the lines, it was very much, are you sure that you're done? Yeah. Um, Because it was the goalies that they needed were me. They needed the number three. They needed a veteran. You know what I mean? And I'd already had a past relationship and it was kind of like really, it was tempting to think about, but I knew I was done. And so, yeah, coming out of it, it'd be different. But one thing that is interesting though, is that now I'm actually, I'm starting to kind of get those same types of, let's say interesting questions occasionally from people on the other side. And it is funny, Scott, like, I think people realize after a while that maybe whether it's coaching or these director at goaltending positions and things, it's they're gaining steam. 
and they're starting to be more available. And the more questions I get that I can kind of read between the lines and understand the teams are maybe thinking about building those out. I start to smile because even if maybe I don't necessarily want to take those jobs, it makes me feel good. The teams are starting to finally value goaltending. Yeah. That's important to me. So I think we're moving in a good direction like that. Um, But man, we've, I don't, we really didn't talk Murray a whole lot. And I think that that's the elephant in the room. And I'm just going to be pretty concise on this. This is a hope play. This is a hope that he regains form. It's a hope that the familiarity that the Toronto Maple Leafs have with Matt Murray from the Sioux Greyhounds with Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas uh, and goaltending, the director of goaltending or whatever his title is. I don't even know if he has a title yet. John Elkins. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a hope that Murray can turn it around. I'm not convinced he hasn't played great hockey in three years and he's been hurt a lot. And this to me had to be about plan C or D on the Maple Leafs big board. And I'm nervous about it, Scott. And a lot, I hope it works, man. I hope Matt Murray gets it back together by all means. Like he good dude. He turned down Buffalo. You want to go to the big stage in Toronto and make it work. I hope it works, man. But if it doesn't, this is, this is it. Like this is the last straw for that franchise. It, like it, it truly is fascinating. And I'm with you. Listen, I, you know, Matt Murray is a, he's a, you know, I got to know him a little bit in Pittsburgh and good person, you know, things have, things have not been great and you're right. And you know, the hope, maybe you could argue every free agent you sign is and maybe every goaltender that you draft and, you know, bring to your team. There is a hope that he becomes, a starter or an efficient NHL netminder. But if you're in a legitimate Stanley cup contender and you're right, if you're like, geez, I hope this works out. I, I, I don't see how that's a blueprint for no. success. And it goes back to what we were just talking about you. So now you have to find a goaltender who can, who can not just back up, hopefully Matt Murray, but possibly play the bulk of your games. And you've right. already, you know, so and now you're in a position where for the third straight season, you might be looking at a downgrade in your goaltending. Well, how do you win a Stanley How do you get out of the first round, let alone try and win a Stanley Cup if your goaltending is consistently downgrading? Man, Freddie Anderson was a guy that they really didn't understand what they had. And um, here's the thing, like Eric Shogren, I don't expect to be there with Murray. I don't think he's the answer. I think they need Shogren or wall to continue to develop and turn into something. They need Joseph wall to be healthy this year for the Marlies and play. That kid's got an unbelievable skill set. Scott, I'm all aboard the Joseph wall train. I hope it goes good for him this year, but who are they going to get now? And, and, and they're paying 4.8 million bucks for Murray. Like that wasn't even a value deal, man. So now you're going to have to pay, who are you going to get that's going to be able to play these games, man? That's going to give you a good deal. Like you can't trade for Brassois because he's still hurt. Like, and even then, like he couldn't get it done for Vegas last year in DeBoer's eyes. Like I'm just thinking all these names out there and I don't see a great answer. And it goes like this. Campbell was a Hulper. He was a reclamation project. It worked for a little bit. It could have kept working for every reason. They didn't believe in that player. Okay. That's what it comes across to me as. So then you go to his, predecessor or his follow-up in Sue. Okay. So we've had two Sue Greyhound goaltenders. We went Jack Campbell. Now we're going to go Matt Murray. So when Matt Murray doesn't work out, is it Brandon Halverson out of retirement? The next Sue Greyhounds goaltender who was a second round draft pick in the New Jersey of the New York Rangers that, uh, I mean, like, dude, familiarity does matter. 
but I'm a results guy, man. <laughs> and I'm telling you, dude, I'd be, I'd be more apt to trade for Anthony Stolars than I would be in some cases to go with man. a hope play on somebody who's had it before, but it's been three years. Cause this game evolves and it moves, man. And I'd be nervous. I mean, I uh, am nervous. We, do we not say this every week? And we, it's like a cautionary tale. It's like the warning sign on a pack of cigarettes or your bottle. I hate being right. Well, but if but you God, can, I'm right. I could, dude, like we can all see this coming. Well, draft and develop. You yes. Get your own goalie. And then yeah. you're okay. Then you don't have to deal with it. Like I'm, I'm and not just money. one, a lot. So a then lot. you can trade them or move them or do whatever. Yeah, Crazy. I'm in Nashville at the development camp here, and I had a chance to sit in with the goalie on goalies on their meetings this morning. And it's how you know, cool! It's just you know, like they Pekarine, UC Saros, uh, Ask I want to call him Askarov, which isn't Askarov, the yep. 11 overall pick from 20, is here for the first time. And Nick, you know, he's the real deal. It, it's you got you can't you have to have it. You just you do. Yep. They you don't have, have it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we go, how about a team, you know, t- you know, noon tomorrow, is there a team you're like, Oh, what's, what are they going to do? What's the, what's going on around, what's going on around this team? What's, what is, what's your team to watch tomorrow at noon? Detroit. Oh, nice. I like it. Yep. Cause I, I think, you know, all the teams that you kind of expect to be in the mix for the big free agents, it's really not going to be that surprising, right? If Colorado goes and grabs somebody, if New York goes and grabs someone, Carolina, you, you just take your pick in any of the top teams. It's like, okay, that makes sense. They went to get the best player. Yeah. Detroit's a total wild card. And I could see Iserman doing just about anything, whether it's trading, whether it's signing somebody. Like, that's a, he's a persuasive person because you want to play for him in that franchise. You know the track record and you know the upper trajectory. And yeah. you know that even, you know, even if you're John Klingberg, and I have no idea if there's any connection to Detroit, I'm just saying, like, if you're John Klingberg and you're going to sign a seven year contract and you think that team's going to be good in three years, what's going to prevent you from signing that deal? Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. Like, dude, it's not like you'd be signing with Arizona where, and this is no disrespect at all to Bill Armstrong, but you don't know what's going on in Arizona, man. Yeah, it's Detroit, you know what's going on. It's pretty clear. Okay. And good place to play, good rink, good family, all those type of things. So I've got them high. Um, I think Seattle could be interesting, uh, but I don't see it in the same category as Detroit because I think the belief is in Detroit. And my last one, I can't help but think about the Islanders. You know, Lou Lou keeps everything so close to his vest. Everything's super stealth with the Islanders. And he's had some players that, you know, probably have stagnated and they need an injection of some energy and some talents. And, you know, I, I think that deal with JT Miller on the draft floor with Vancouver that everybody's denied must've had some real smoke to it. If for Lou to stand up there and say, ask Vancouver. I know that that's a cut. That's like, if you're Patrick Alvin and you're, New GM, even though you've been around the block and Jim Rutherford's your your guy above, you're still going, ooh, I just kind of got slapped on the wrist by Lou. Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah. I'm curious about the Islanders. Who do you who do you have on your radar? Yeah, I like I am curious. And it's interesting because it goes back nice sort of bow on this because we talked about Johnny Goudreau off the top. I mean, can is there that you'd have to there'd be some massaging of pieces to to bring him to the island. 
Um, well, it's not the island anymore. I know that uh, <laughs> to bring them to the Islanders. Um, but I, so I am curious about them. I'm, I'm really curious about Carolina, as you know, spent a fair amount of time there this year doing some, providing some content for them. But it was so many, I was a bit surprised at Tony D'Angelo, you know, out the door, pretty modest, you know, two times five in Philadelphia. He's going to get more money than that. That surprised me. Polarizing guy. I, I get all that, but I, I was there a lot. There were seemed to be no issues with him there when he, when he was playing, he, he was dynamic. He's just a yeah. dynamic guy melted a bit playing his old team, the Rangers in the, in the second round. That was, that was a little bit much for him, I think, but so, but anyway, if you're Carolina, you've got to find those points. And they're, they're not in that roster. And they've got a bunch of kids coming. That Chicago uh, Wolves team is really, really good. There are really, really good players, you know, who will be pushing for some spots. But this Alder is Cup champions in the American Hockey League. Exactly. As this week, uh, the American Hockey League meets to the Board of Governors meeting in Hilton Head for the yeah. first time in three years face-to-face. So, yeah. yeah. But it, and Tom Dundon, the owner there, is all in. And so that's why it doesn't surprise me that you hear Brent Burns, Evgeny Malkin, Claude Giroux, because Carolina's, they're in it. They will swing for the fences and they've got some openings, right? I mean, they, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot. I think earlier this week, they had nine free agents, both RFAs and UFAs Mm -hmm. from last year. So a lot could happen there too. So that's it. And that's a sneaky good destination. Okay. Like I know the reputation is they're cheap. Well, in some ways they're demanding, let's say that when it comes to things, but I think if they want a player, they're willing to make that play and they just don't want to overpay for it. And players enjoy playing in Carolina and Rod Brindamore's the coach. Well, that is a massive selling point that you can't understate. So um, and I'd expect it. Yeah. And I would just say that, you know, do they, the hurricanes do things very differently under Tom Dundon. And and there is this reputation that, you know, they don't want to spend money in the broadcasting and, you know, sort of things, but you know what he spends money on is the on ice product, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, you know, he matched the the offer sheet like that and Kokaniemi cost him more money, right. To, to, you know, to bring him in with the offer sheet. So he's a guy that, when it comes to the team itself, to the product that gets on the ice and could win a Stanley Cup, uh, you know, it's not, he's, uh, that's not the issue there, but you're right. It's a team that has to spend money smartly because they're a cap team. And that means you got a lot of, you got to keep your, all the pieces together. It's a, it's a big deal. So, but you're right. It's, I think it's an attractive place and Rod Brendamore's people, love him as they should so yes they do um, okay yep. so right. scott this has been a dude we could talk for five hours leading up to tomorrow's opening of free agency um yep. it's been really not just interesting but chaotic like we said to start off and i don't expect that to change when this is all said and done in three four days and everything starts to shake out what's your party time what are you going to do to celebrate because, man, I've learned this about media and everybody else and even the management. The season's not over until free agency yeah, gets no, through a couple of days. Yeah. And then it's party time. Everybody goes to the cottage. So what's what's on your docket here? Yeah, I don't have a cottage type thing. Uh, might be some, you know, might be some couple of good dinners out in Decatur, Georgia. I don't know. We'll see. Got to get through the end of this week here. That's the, 
that's the key. When we when we talk next week for our post free agency session of the suitcase and the scribe, I will have mm-hmm. a better answer for that. How about that? Okay. That sounds great. Um, I'm sure I'll be. I'm here at my in laws' house, so I don't have to worry about driving anywhere or really doing a whole lot. So maybe I'll have a glass of wine or two. But uh, until then, man, we've covered a lot of territory, and also want to give. A huge congratulations to our special guest co-host, Mr. Derek Nesbitt, who came on uh, when you were unable to this past week, Scott, and and he has officially announced his retirement. Yeah. I mean, this guy played for 17 seasons, over 40 years old, ECHL, AHL, and he did a phenomenal job stepping in to host the suitcase and the scribe, which turned into that week being the suitcase and the suitcase. So, um, so congrats to Derek and on behalf of us, Scott, great job this week. I can't wait until next week. We can look back and see how wrong we were about everything. Right. And reminder, as you mentioned earlier, we'll be doing the free agency show tomorrow afternoon. Um, Daily face off. Don't miss it. You and I will rejoin uh, there and uh, the Sir Valley cam will be going full speed. So it'll be all good, but excellent work today as always. You too. Till tomorrow, Scott. Till tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Suitcase and The Scribe, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.